I'm Dee Brown, CEO, and welcome to this episode of HBCU. Joining me today is Washington power broker Jarvis Stewart. Jarvis is a graduate of Prairie View A&M University, and he's the chief executive officer of Highland Poe. Jarvis, welcome to HBCU. Thank you for having me, Dee. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. <laughs> man, look, we got so much ground to cover, so we're going to just jump right in it. Sounds good. So Prairie View A&M University, tell me, how do you select this as your HBCU? Well, it's a great question. Uh, I am proud that I am a fourth generation graduate of Prairie View Annam University. I was born and raised in Houston, Texas, okay. uh, about 45 minutes, an hour away from uh, the university. And uh, my sister attended the university and uh, a number of cousins and aunts and great aunts. Um, so it was sort of a foregone conclusion that I too would attend. Yeah. Uh, although I had great aspirations and desire uh, to go to school at Morehouse or Fisk, uh, Tuskegee, a number of other places, but I, I opted on Texas Southern, uh, on Prairie View Annum University, and uh, I think I'm a better man for it. Okay, so tell me about the first day that you set foot on campus. Do you well, recall that day? Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was I started, uh, like most freshmen, about a week or two before the upperclassmen uh, arrived on campus, and uh, it was overwhelming. Uh, I was a young kid from the inner cities of uh, Houston, and uh, it was the first time sort of away from my parents. Uh, obviously, there were a number of great, great students and professors that I had heard about from my sister who attended before, but um, it was a it was exciting experience. Uh, my my both my mother and father, uh, you know, education has always been a value to us. It yeah. was not uh, an option. Uh, we knew all of us graduated from college, uh, and it was very important for us to have um, uh, an opportunity to go on and do great things. And uh, my mother and both my father did not have the opportunity to graduate. They both yeah. attended school but didn't graduate. Uh, and so my mother uh, drove the ship of saying this is this is imperative uh, and in, in order for you to really elevate and do the great things that we all have uh, planned for your life, this is where it's going to start. Um, right. So my first day on campus was exciting, saw a lot of folks that looked like me, a lot of students from around the country uh, that looked like me and uh, was ambitious and yeah. driven and focused and um, there were a lot of um, students, international students, that also attended Prairie View Annum University that uh, I was not privy to, I was not familiar with. Yeah. So learning that, that pathway and learning their experiences was equally as important as, as others. Now, every uh, HBCU has its unique characteristics. Yes. So talk to me about uh, Prairie View. What are some <laughs> of the unique characteristics about being on the yard at, at Prairie View and attending yeah. college there? Well, you know, the yard is, uh, you know, we, we it's panther land. Uh, <laughs> it's the PV Panthers. And so we are somewhat of in a remote area. Yeah. Uh, again, we're about 45 minutes to an hour away from Houston. And 
you know, it's it's not it's a uh, it's not some place you drop by. It's a destination. If yeah. You're coming to Prairie View. You're coming there for the university uh, and to obviously uh, grow and learn and do uh, amazing things in life. Um, one of the interesting characteristics, I think, are, you know, are just the student body. I mean, yeah. we have kids, uh, students that that attended the university that um, were were long generation parents uh, who come from long a long legacy of educators and uh, doctors and lawyers, uh, ministers. And so it was very uh, apropos for me to sort of fall into that and appreciate yeah. uh, that history uh, that, that the university for so many years had had uh, had produced. Right. Now, I know that I've heard, I haven't attended any, but I've heard that Prairie View have legendary homecomings. <laughs> yes, and and right. so talk to me about, about homecoming well, and, yeah, and we, sports at Prairie View. Absolutely. So the, the, the homecoming at Prairie View were, were very, uh, we always say, set your homecoming out. And we <laughs> used to set it out every year. Um, and it was exciting. Um, it, it's always great. Uh, it's a great reminder of the, the legacy and the history yeah. uh, and the pride and the culture um, uh, of the university, like so many other HBCUs around the country right. uh, that I've been able to attend, whether it's Howard, live in Washington, D.C. now, or Morehouse, Spelman. I mean, a number of the great universities, state and privately held universities. It's one of the things that we pride ourselves on, to right. be able to invite, uh, to attract people to come back and uh, see so many of the students that are there and how they're exciting and remember and knowing their, their journey yeah. through this uh, HBCU experience, the good and the bad, right. quite frankly. Right. Uh, but we, we, we had some great homecoming, some great artists to come down and perform. Uh, great food, great great dances. You know, obviously the uh, uh, the Greeks would do their thing uh, on campus, uh, but for those four days, it was exciting. Right. Uh, and so I I, uh, I miss those days. I don't get a chance to go back nearly as much as my my colleagues do. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, one of the unique things about HBCUs in general is that we you tend to form relationships or bond with some of the faculties, staff. You know, different people that tend to take a vested interest in your success along uh, that journey. Are there any individuals uh, from Prairie View that hold a special place in, in your heart for supporting you? Yeah, I mean, I think it would always have to start with uh, my roommates. I mean, my roommates, we, we cut for one another. We still cut from one another to this very day. Um, uh, many of them, my, my, one of my first roommates, Gary Tolbert, lives in Dallas. Mm -hmm. uh, he and his lovely wife and his, uh, his two children. Uh, he and I talk often. We still laugh about our days on the hill right. uh, and having a great time. Um, I would also say uh, Dr. Mac Jones, who was the chair of the political science department. Dr. Jones is is now retired and living comfortably, as I understand it, in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, he was a he was a brilliant brain. Uh, had researched, uh, done gr uh, quite a bit in the area of political and social science, really motivated me to think beyond prayer view and mm -hmm. inspired me to use, um, um, uh, as he used to say, you know, the, the, the something, uh, my, my brain for great, for greatness, yeah. uh, to help uh, our people and to expand uh, my own reach. Um, there, I mean, there's a long list. Dr. Jewel Prestich, which was one of the first uh, black women in the United States to get a PhD in political science. Uh, she has since uh, gone on to glory now, uh, but her son, Grady Prestige, is a very good friend. He's a, he's a, a county commissioner in Texas right now. There, there's a long list yeah. of, of professors and friends that really sort of wrapped their arms around me while I was there, and, and uh, I'm forever grateful for them.
Oh, man. So, look, that's what we hear time and time again. Um, I have a limited experience with HBCUs. Attended Alcorn State University Absolutely. for one year. So, you know, I got that love for one year, then went on to the University of Memphis and figured out uh, what the real world was like. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. But uh, <laughs> I want to I want to jump for a minute to sure. your current career. You are the CEO of Highland Poe. Yes. Talk to me about Highland Poe and, and what you do. Well, I've, I've had, since uh, since leaving Prairie View Anime University, I've had an amazing career. Um, and I am, it starts with um, just being grateful. Um, I, I, it's, I'm always reminded it's not where you're from, but where you're going. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was really inspired by my mother uh, and so many others. Uh, I left Prairie View and had the opportunity to come and um, work, go to Washington and work for the first African-American chair of the Democratic Party, a guy named Ron Brown, yeah. um, who later uh, uh, died tragically in a plane crash in Croatia. Yeah. Um, and Ron, in many ways, um, while Dr. Mac Jones and so many other professors at Prairie View really inspired me to, be, to think and to write and to be uh, strategic in my thought, Ron really showed me how uh, to really elevate uh, in in spaces that historically I'd never never even remotely thought about right. dwelling in. Right. Uh, so I spent time at the at the DNC working for Ron and sort of traveling the country and uh, as I often said, being um, seen but not heard. I was 19, 20 years old and right. just a, just a young kid uh, from Texas and was just fortunate enough to spend time and learn um, how um, how he did it. Um, and so my career just sort of took off from there. I later had a stint on Capitol Hill, mm -hmm. uh, spent time working as chief of staff to uh, Congressman Harold Ford from Tennessee, right. from Memphis. Junior. Uh, junior, that's yeah. exactly right. His father, Harold Sr., uh, also was another key, uh, very influential role in my life politically. Um, I spent five years in Los Angeles working a little bit in the music industry, a little bit in the, uh, for a labor union. Uh, I, D, I've had an amazing career. Right. And so as I, as I look back and, and think of the journey coming back to Washington, uh, I've had the opportunity to, to do a wide range of things in business, whether it's starting a lobbying firm and growing it to be one of the largest African-American-owned lobbying firms in Washington, uh, creating a strategic communications and crisis communications firm mm -hmm. uh, in Washington as well, uh, and also creating uh, an ESG, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, investor relation firm, uh, where we advise private equity firms asset management firms uh, and others uh, on how they could think strategically, more strategically about their investing. Right. Um, I also was a founding member of the Washington Nationals uh, baseball team. Right. Uh, at 32 years old, I became the youngest owner of a major league baseball team. Granted, I only owned one and a half percent, but that's not the point. Right. Uh, as, as I was often reminded by the former uh, Commissioner Bud Selig, he says that's more, that's one and a half percent more than most people ever. Ever say that's exactly right. right. So, uh, and, I, and I'm going to come been, back and touch on some of those points. <laughs> that's and, right. And, I'm just going to give a lot. Yeah, it's a lot to unpack and everything you're saying. So, yeah. I want to dig a little bit into uh, number one. We can start with the Washington Washington Nationals, sure. because I know that was a project that was near and dear to you, and you helped bring that yeah. team back to uh, Washington when many people thought. It wouldn't be possible. So, no. talk to me about that. Journey. Well, uh, yeah. So we we I was uh, part of the uh, ownership team. The Lerner family is a very a very prominent uh, family in Washington D.C. Real estate uh, is their background, and uh, they were um, interested in adding a uh, a minority 
group mm -hmm. uh, of, of mostly minority of African Americans uh, to be part of the, the the ownership structure, and it was, um, if I'm not mistaken, was the first time of this nature, uh, and I was I was chosen to be one of one of those uh, as we. Uh, went through the process. It was a very rigorous. They have to do enormous background checks. It's not just about the money, right. which is what I've learned. Um, and I made an investment, just like my other partners did. Uh, and we were able to uh, to move the uh, the time the Montreal Expos. Mm -hmm. uh, if anyone, your viewers are familiar with the Expos that used to be in Canada for many years, right. uh, we brought them from. Uh, Montreal, Canada, to become the Washington Nationals and rename them, right. uh, and so we were able to bring Washington back to a, a, a baseball back to Washington, which was not an easy task. It took a while, uh, but we were successful, and and I'm uh, I'd like to think that I contributed to the you know America's favorite pastime coming back to Washington. Right. So it was it was fantastic, absolutely so, fantastic. So now you built the largest African American lobbying firm. Yes, right. So talk to me about that. Well, you know, uh, government affairs and, 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 and lobbying is sort of the lifeblood of Washington, D.C. You know, being able to influence um, uh, members of Congress and understanding the policy and the politics and the people uh, is uh, very, very critical. Um, you know, in past years, being a lobbyist has, has sort of taken on somewhat of a bad name. Are there bad actors? Absolutely, there's bad actors in every industry. Yeah. Uh, what I have been very fortunate, however, is when I left Congressman Ford's office, uh, I knew that I wanted to do something that a number of people that looked like me were not doing. Uh, I wanted to really adv advise and counsel corporations and CEOs mm -hmm. on how to uh, penetrate and to navigate Washington, whether it's Capitol Hill or at the time uh, the administration, Bill Clinton was still the president. Yeah. And so um, I, by that time, had, had gained a great deal of knowledge and understanding of how government work, uh, both the executive branch and, and legislative branch, and it just sort of took off from that. Uh, it was it was it was not an easy process, but nothing worth having ever is. Never, never um, is, yeah. And so it took a while, and I grew it to pretty significant numbers. We had great revenue uh, year after year. Um, things began to change a little bit in Washington. I didn't find it as interesting or as exciting. Uh, it opened up opportunities for me to do other creative investment, other creative. Um, um, a sort of advisory role, take on other advisory roles. Yeah. Um, and so, but I'm delighted. Uh, as, as, as a friend says, you know, when the history books are written about government affairs in Washington, Jarvis, you'll have a chapter all of your own. I don't know that that's as important, but yeah. I, I'm excited about it. So you have been, uh, or you are friends with former presidents, uh, probably current presidents and Congress people and senators, right? So who, uh, tell me about some of those special relation, relationships. Well, I, you know, you, um, I, uh, yes, I mean, I consider, uh, you know, Washington's a very transactional place. Let's yeah. just start there. Uh, very transactional. And um, I, I have been very fortunate to build relationships with a n number of, of members of Congress. And um, some of them, I still to this very day count as friends. I counted them as friends before. Uh, I began to engage them around policy issues. Um, and, and others, you know, I've got to know while I was on that journey, members of the Congressional Black Caucus who have been very, very important to my growth 
uh, from a business perspective. The Hispanic Caucus, being a native of Texas, uh, I knew many of them growing up. I idolized many of them as young as, as a young politico in Texas. Uh, but e even beyond there, one of the things that I have always uh, prided myself on is being able to work comfortably across uh, the political spectrum or mm -hmm. political um, uh, line, whether Democrat or, or Republican. Um, you know, I, I've had this belief that I wanted to really focus on uh, being able to do practical politics. Um, and that's, that's not too far to the left, that's not too far to the right, but just somewhere in the middle that, that we're able to get the best policy for, whether it's around trade or health care, yeah. um, or economic development in communities that desperately need it. Um, I actually enjoy being able to sort of work in those spaces. Yeah, so you were instrumental uh, in the development of the MLK monument in DC. So uh, it's a fascinating story to me. Yeah. So, so share with my viewers uh, that story. Well, I, I have to start uh, this story, and I will and, you know, sort of abbreviate. This story starts with uh, my very good friend, Harry Johnson, who uh, at the time was the national president of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, and for many years, um, the Brothers of Alpha uh, was trying to raise money in order to build a memorial on the mall to, to Dr. King. Uh, and Harry called me one day and we had uh, lunch at the Capitol Grill and he says, hey, I got a project that I need you to engage in. And I was like, okay. So we had this long lunch. Harry paid for lunch that day. I'll never forget it because he typically doesn't. But we had, <laughs> he paid for lunch that day and he says, I need your help in securing this land, this patch of land on the National Mall and raising money in order to build this memorial. At the time, my lobbying career was, was doing very well. I didn't really have time to do anything other than to service our, our clients. Um, but when your friend calls, you have a tendency to answer. Yeah. But even beyond that, I was so uh, moved by the idea that this would be the first time that a man of peace, a man of color, that was not a president, would be honored on the National Mall. So if you pause and think about it, it's, 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 it's uh, Lincoln, it's Jefferson, it's Washington. What we always like to say, you have a, 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 a king among presidents. Yeah. It was our tagline. He was a king among presidents. And it was, uh, to this very day, the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life, Dean. Uh, it, it took, um, I worked on the project for a little more than 10, 10 maybe 12 years. Uh, all total, the project was roughly $200 million. My firm was very active in raising um, uh, about a third, if not a little bit more than that. Uh, we had international uh, attraction. We had three presidents that were on site at one time, including uh, Bush and Clinton and, and Barack Obama, obviously. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was a rewarding experience. And I, to this very day, I still drive by there every morning going to my office and I, and I tell my daughters, this is long after I'm gone, long after they're gone. Right. If God says the same, that memorial still be there. Right. Uh, and one of the things I think I did, I was very smart in doing, every piece of transmission, letter, correspondence um, um, that, that I received uh, related to the memorial, yeah. uh, I've digitized. I've okay. made a copy and I've kept, and it's on a disc. Uh, so that way, uh, my daughters and, and, and grandkids can go right. and say, you know, my grandfather helped build that place. Right, 
right. this memorial. Oh, significant. And it's, it's significant. very significant. Yeah. Um, and it's all because it started with my friend Harry Johnson. I'm forever indebted to, to his vision and his passion and his drive to, to build a memorial. So talk to me about the role uh, that Prairie View mm -hmm. University <laughs> uh, played in your success. Yeah, you know, Dee, it's, um, it's um, you know, unlike any other HBCU, uh, Prairie View is a very special place. We have great, it's been some fantastic educators and ministers and pastors and lawyers that have walked. Um, it's holy ground is, is in many ways. And, um, you know, it's beautiful trees and great walk, walkways and historic buildings. Um, as I mentioned, I'm a fourth generation, and so many of my uh, uh, relatives that I had never knew, yeah. my mother would have a better sense of who they are and, and, and their role in, uh, in building the university. I never knew them, but you know, I joke that if there are 15 buildings on campus or 20 buildings on campus, 10 of them are probably named after somebody that I'm related to in some, some way or another. Um, but it really taught me um, uh, community, taught me culture, reminded me of culture, uh, resilience, um, a willingness to get things done or ability to get things done even when you don't have the resources. Um, it taught me ingenuity, um, that you gotta be creative. You know, the, the dormitories are not always gonna be pristine. Right. Um, you know, the books are not always gonna be the best. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't learn. It right. doesn't mean that you don't have vision and drive and, and uh, ambition to do great things. Um, so in many ways, when I'm in Washington or in, 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 in uh, Los Angeles or wherever I may be taking a meeting, you know, I often remember that I am, I'm a long way from home. Yeah. But this is the vision that my forefathers had for me. Right. That, um, um, that I stand on their shoulders and it is my responsibility to continue to elevate so that they, their spirit right. and their, their, their drive and their vo focus can, can do the same. Right. So I'm sure now, right now, we will have viewers at home uh, looking at this show and they're at a crossroad where they're trying to make a decision on where to continue the education for their young son or daughter. Sure. Um, tell me, why should they select Prairie View A&M University? Well, we've, we've grown significantly over the years. I, I, I wouldn't just say that Prairie View would be the only, um, would be everyone's top choice. I think like any, you know, every company is not for everyone. Correct. Every institution is not for everyone. Um, I believe that you have to choose the university that works best for you as a student right. or a parent as they go through that process with their young freshman or sophomore. You have to really dig deep and see if it's the right place for your graduating senior. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, you know, I may get into a little trouble for that, but th I think that's just the reality by yep. which we all live in 2022. Um, it, it was good for me, and it's been, it's been good for a number of my other uh, classmates, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good for, for my kids or for my daughters or for, the, or, or right. for others. Uh, but it has really driven um, a great level, a great, a, a great, a great level of uh, admiration over the years because I've seen the work of how the administration has done so well. Uh, Dr. Ruth Simmons is uh, has been our president at the university. She's former president of Brown University in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. She's a native of Texas, mm -hmm. um, but she's a she's a um, 
um, a former president of Brown and a number of other great institutions. Uh, and she sort of left and came back and brought her Rolodex and brought her understanding of, yeah. of how to grow institutions, particularly ones like Prairie View. Yeah. Uh, and we are, we are better for it. Uh, she's been able to attract you know, other notables to come there and lecture, such as you know, Nikki Giovanni, for example, famed poet and author. Uh, and so many other great talented um, um, sort of thinkers that, that really the students have got, had the, have the opportunity to really grow and inspire right. and do great things because of their, their life and their stories. So tell me this, uh, take about a minute to tell me, uh, what do you want your legacy to be? Wow, that's, uh, what, do I, what would I like my legacy to be? I would like my legacy, professionally or personally, or both, both. Uh, I would say that um, um, I would like for my legacy to be one that is rooted in, um, you know, Ron Brown used to say this often, uh, always keep the, 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 the door open and the ladder down. Yeah. He says, somebody's always coming after you, Jarvis. And he says, that's a good thing. You want to be able to extend the ladder and help others that come by. They didn't always have to be African-American, didn't always have to be, you know, uh, 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 from your neighborhood, but that is very, very important. So right. I think it, if I had to simplify it, I always want to be known as someone who was willing to help. Um, you know, my dad used to remind me that, um, you know, time is the only thing we can never get back. Right. We can right. make a million dollars today and lose it tomorrow, then make it again on right. the next, the following right. day. But time is one of those things we can never, ever, ever get back. And so as a result, I, I, I used, like to use my time wisely. I like to give it to people who I think uh, are really, uh, are, are, will appreciate it and that I can inspire to do greatness. Right. Um, and so I'm hoping that um, when I'm no longer walking the face of this earth, uh, that it is uh, great things that people will say about uh, my willingness to uh, make time and extend uh, a helping hand. Right. That's a you know very uh, important statement you made uh, because it's something that I live by. You know we all have 24 hours in the day. That's right. But the 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 biggest difference between the winners and the losers is how we utilize those 24 hours. Absolutely. You know you, you like you said you can make money, lose it, make it again. That's the easy part. That's the easy part. <laughs> but once that money is, I mean once that time is gone, can't you get can't get it back. You can't, can't get, get it back, back, man. So that's why I believe in wasting no time. Yeah. And look, Jarvis, I'm going to close out by saying this, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your hectic schedule yeah. to be here on HBCU to showcase your, your university, Florida, Florida, Prairie View A&M <laughs> University. I do so many schools, I can get them all. <laughs> but but I, I appreciate you being here. And what I want to do today is award you oh my. This for is your nice. commitment oh to historically black colleges and universities and all that you have done to showcase the talents and the skills that come out of these very, very vital uh, institutions. I want to present you with the HBCU Lifetime Achievement oh, Award. Dude, thank you very no, much. Thank you I, so I'm much for being honored. on the show. I'm no, it's, it's my pleasure. And to my viewers, thank you so much for watching this episode of HBCU. And remember, without you, there's no me.